podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Have you ever just thought to yourself, why me? Why is life so unfair? What do other people see? When they watch me walk by, when I catch my reflection, people run like I have a contagious infection. But it's not my mental health. I know that can be crushing. I'm talking about plaque psoriasis. Bet you didn't see that coming. I'm sick of the judgment, the discomfort and itching. Vitama Cream is the once daily steroid-free treatment I know I've been missing. Vitama Tepinarov Cream 1% is a prescription topical treatment for adults with plaque psoriasis. Do not use if you're allergic to Vitama Cream. The most common side effects of Vitama Cream include red raised bumps around the hair pores, pain or swelling in the nose and throat, skin rash or irritation, including itching and redness, peeling, burning or stinging, headache, itching and flu. Tell your doctor about all the medicines you take and if you're pregnant or plan to be. Ask your doctor if Vitama Cream is right for you. You deserve more from your topical. To learn more, visit topicaluprising.com. on the eve of another Celtic game, thankfully after what was a, an enjoyable, but nevertheless still international break. Um, I'm joined, as always, on this Friday by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? I'm very well, how are yourself? I'm not too bad, not too bad. And we have the return of the one and only Jim Orr after his, um, uh, what here was a very successful showing of Ben Berti last week. How are you doing, Jim? Good to be back, Laura. Yeah, good. Good, good. Um, before we get started, uh, you might have seen on Twitter, um, I'm wearing a football shirt today, my favourite Celtic football shirt, not because it's the most um, sort of aesthetically pleasing football shirt, but gives me the happiest memories, and this is obviously the 1996 jersey that one of my favourites, George Cadet, wore with with aplomb. Um, it was the first Celtic team I fell in love with, with the three amigos, and so it always has a special place in my heart. I'm wearing this today as part of Football Shirt Friday, which... Um, is aiming to raise awareness and raise funds for research into um, bowel cancer research on behalf of the Bobby Moore Fund. Tony, I believe you've got a couple of shirts hanging up there yes. in honour of the special day as well, so why don't you talk us through those? Explain them. That's the replica 1980 Celtic away shirt played Real Madrid in. That's a replica Napoli shirt, complete with number 10 on the back, because I love the greatest of all time, in my opinion, Diego Armando Maradona. And that's a Gola 1981-82 circa Melchester Rovers kit because I read Roy Rovers avidly as a kid and I loved that kit. So that's, uh, yes, that's the only three shirts, football shirts I possess. I was so, going to say, I saw that Melchester Rovers one and I thought, what's he doing? <laughs> yeah. They are like hen's teeth. I paid a good few quid for that on uh, eBay. <laughs> yeah, but glad to, get, glad to have one. What about, what about you, Jim? I know you're not going to kit on today, but like, what's the what's your uh, what are the kits in your um, time that you've seen that kind of stick out to you as as decent football kits, Celtic or otherwise? I did get the memo about football shirts, so, uh, <laughs> uh, so sitting with nothing here. Uh, I'd always go back to the being such an old misery. Got to somebody described me last week. Uh, I'd always go back to the sixties uh, whenever you know that's when football shirts were football shirts. I'm not a big fan of. Uh, adverts on strips. I'm not a big fans of uh, the kind of quality. Not the, the, what strips are made of these days. I mean, I, I still I still play football, even though I'm dead old. But the strips I wear are like the kind of you know 1967 Scotland strip, and the 1971 Arsenal strip, the 69 Newcastle strip. The kind of cotton kind of thing, which mm. keeps you warm outside because old people need to be warm outside. So you need cotton 
cotton keeps you warm. But uh, I'd go back to them, and you know, from a Celtic point of view, then obviously there's nothing beats the iconic '67 strip in its pure simplicity. I think yeah. you know, so uh, yeah. So I'm not a big fan of all of all these adverts, and but the strip you're wearing, Laura, yeah, I'm, I thought that was a good one because in actual fact, the detail behind that is is uh, very very good, which you don't actually notice, but you'd be looking at. We actually see it up front uh, in person because for the Ben like Bratback play, uh, one of the characters was wearing that top, so I had to go and buy that, that top, and then you realise just the kind of the minute detail that goes into football strips these days. But uh, to answer the question, the old style stuff, no adverts on it, cotton, uh, cotton uh, strips, yeah, for me. Speaking of uh, strange looking brand new football strips and the Napoli one that you're talking about, Tony, uh, they released a Halloween kit this year that had spider webs on it. So I don't know, like, I don't know what you're saying. Going too far. Going too far. Yeah. I'm with Jim. The cotton 60s and 70s numbers and the occasional ones like that from the 80s for myself. But I was never a, I was a kid, I was an avid uh, strip buyer. I used to have a lot of football strips, but as I got older, I just. Something I didn't bother with. You know? I'm a big child. That's what you're trying to say, Tony. I'm a big no, child. I'm not, listen, I, you, I didn't you, want to see it. That's good. Well done, Tony. Very subtle. That was very subtle. Well done. <laughs> you deserve the right to retain retain the child in you any stage in your mm. life. I, 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 I bow down to that, Laura. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for commenting and watching wherever you're watching. Um, if you've got pictures, make sure to share them with the Axon Pod Twitter feed, and we'll, we'll retweet those for you. Um, it's a great cause and obviously um, something that deserves to be highlighted in whatever way you can do. Even if you're not able to to donate, then then share the link and uh, people who can will. That is, of course, separate from our charity weekender that we've got coming up on the 4th and 5th of December. We're hoping to have a lot more um, Celtic podcasts involved. So, um, you know, lots of good causes to be contributed to by being part of this community and we really appreciate it. Um, we'll move on to, to more uh, normal matters at the moment and obviously sad matters. Um, for those of you who have been living under a rock Celtic-wise in the last week, we unfortunately lost the great Bertie Old, uh, one of the, the, the Lisbon Lions, um, perhaps the greatest storyteller of the Lisbon Lions, certainly the biggest champion of Celtic of the Lisbon Lions. Tony, your um, tribute on Monday was fantastic, so I won't ask you to to um to go through that again if anybody wants to see that they can tune into Monday's show um but Jim I wanted to get your thoughts on on Bertie's passing you obviously have just completed a run of a play uh, named after the great man um what were your thoughts when you heard the news and what were your th- memories of Bertie and what will, what will last with you <sighs> how long did I have uh, <laughs> I had Tony Monday it was it was, it was excellent uh, for the, for the past two and a half years, I thought about Bertie Old every single day, which might sound a bit weird <laughs> out of context. Uh, I started writing a play about the 65 Cup run and, uh, about two and a half years ago. And once I decide what the play is going to be about, I do I do two things. One is copy a title so I can focus on this is what it's going to be called and the accessor. And then we did the research for that cup run, you realise that, that Bertie was instrumental, not just in the final, but in every single match. And we read the match reports. Some of the headlines are Bertie this or old that, you know, so he was, he was, and he only came back in the January and we won the cup in April. So he was up front and centre in that cup run. And as everyone will know, you know, we're one down in the final and Bertie equalises, we're two one down, Bertie equalises and then Big Billy scores the winner. So it was going to be called Bender like Bertie. Basically, not the Bertie Old story, but a story about the cup, uh, the cup run. And secondly, I like to kind of visualise that if this is any good, and I maybe stage it at some point in time, what would the poster look like? You know, so I can visualise that and think that's what the poster is going to be look like. And for Benoit Bratback, I had the iconic picture of Henrik's on Harold's back after Harold scored that goal. So I'm looking for something similar to that, and. The best photograph I've seen was the team on the park after they've won the game uh, in 65, and there's 10 of them. I think Bobby Murdoch's the one that's missing. And Billy McNeil's on their shoulders, and he's, and he's holding the cup. But when you look closely, he's on Bertie Old's shoulders. It's not anyone else. And I thought, OK, that's that's the poster. So I did a wee kind of mock-up, a wee kind of basic kind of thing where I, I got rid of everyone else 
basically. And I just leave Bertie old and he's got Billy McNeil on his shoulders. And that's the two guys that scored the goals that day. And I have Bender like Bertie above it and a wee tagline. And I put, coming soon. I've no idea it's coming soon, but I put, coming soon. Because this is what it's meant to be visualised. This is what it's going to look like. And then I put that in my mobile and I put that in my laptop. So, so basically every time my phone goes home, not when there's Bertie's smile on face, looks back. Every time I switch my laptop on, I'm pointing at it. Bertie's smile on face comes on. That's why I'm saying every, every day in the last two and a half years. For the play, I'd read Bert, Bertie's book several times. I'd watched all the stuff on YouTube. Uh, read all the articles online. Uh, I mentioned before in the previous podcast, Des McLean gets on board. And when Des got on board, I said, well, we have to maybe get in touch with Bertie's family just to say, look, this, this might be on. You know, so I I don't know anyone famous, apart from Tony, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but, but Des knows everyone. Because Des contacts Bertie's son. And we got a meeting with Bertie's son and Bertie <clears throat> about a year past in August or so. So we go in, and I've never met Bertie Alden. You've heard all the stories of people meeting Bertie Alden. He's 10 feet away. <laughs> and you're thinking, that's Bertie Alden. That's Bertie Alden. And he comes up to you as if he's your best pal. Everyone says this, he's your best pal. Jim, I've been, been looking forward to meeting you. And you're thinking, why would Bertie Alden possibly be looking forward <laughs> to meeting me? You've got a place on, magnificent. That's magnificent. You know, and there's none of this. Fist pumps is like shaking hands and it's, you know, Jim, over here and get a seat, son. Over here and get a seat. So it's my play. So basically I'm talking for about 45 minutes about this play and I've brought all this memorabilia from the 65 season, 64, 65 season, from league games, cup games, the wee green book, the CSA handbook and all this kind of stuff. And I've shown it to Bertie and Bertie's commenting on it and he's dead interested this is magnificent, Jim, this is magnificent. And then his son, Robert, had to, had to go and pick his wife up. And I'm thinking, that's the end of the court story. But he says, no, I'll be back. You guys just stay there. and I'll be back. And Des had to answer a phone call. So it was just me and Bertie. Just me and Bertie. Imagine an audience with Bertie, all just you and Bertie. Totally surreal. So Bertie then starts asking me, what's he day, son? And I'm saying, so retired. And I said, do some volunteer work for football memories. So I start telling him about Football Memories and the Alzheimer's Scotland project that it is and a pound from every ticket to go into Football Memories and he's dead interested, really, really interested. So I then said, well, how it works basically is once a week I go to a care home. This is before COVID, obviously. I maybe speak to half a dozen residents. I go there with a box of cards and basically I try and spark some memories through use of football cards. And more often than not, you'll get kind of blank faces, but occasionally you'll get somebody, you'll, you'll show a card and they'll you'll say, well, that's jinky. And then you'll say, well, what do you remember about Jinky? And they'll say, aye, Red Star Belgade. Oh, aye. Remember that? 5 1. Uh huh. Anything else? And then, and then nothing. You know, and other times it'll spark conversation about who they went to the games with, uh, what pubs they drank in, et cetera, et cetera. And I said to Bertie that, uh, you know, and that's the power of football. People, now, people who couldn't have told you what they had for breakfast two years ago can tell you what pub they drank at when they went to Petrogy. You know, so, so I'm telling Bertie the play starts off. It's, a, it's an elderly man who's got dementia and he's going to a football memory session with his daughter and it's Bertie holding court and John Fallon and the mention of the name John Fallon, the guy sparks off you know, Fallon Fallon, Young, Gemmel Murdoch, Menil, Clark, Chalmers, Gallagher Hughes, Lennox and all, that's the 65 cup final team and Bertie says to you, that's my favourite game Jim but I know that because <laughs> I've done all my research, I know that's Bertie's favourite game and I tell Bertie, I brought my card with me. So I thought you might ask this question. So I get my first card and I go like this. Yeah. Remember him, Bertie? And he said, no, oh, he's magnificent. He was magnificent, Jim. What a player he was. Handsome. Handsome as well. You know, and then I'm starting, it's quite surreal. You know, I'm showing all these cards of Charlie Tully and Bertie Peacock, Jim Baxter, Dennis Law, and he's commenting them all. You know, he's a dirty big so-and-so. <laughs> and it's surreal. It's like an out-of-body experience. So I'm watching myself talking to Bertold. And then, unfortunately, Des McLean comes back and I'm thinking, beat it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to share Bertie with anyone else. And then about 20 minutes later, his son comes back, Robert comes back. And uh, we're there for another half an hour. And it was an unbelievable hour and a half. And 2020 was, was a terrible year for everyone. But I got to spend an hour and a half in Bertie Old's company, which was brilliant. 
And the, and the play was meant to be on last September, then last May, and it eventually was on September there. And uh, unfortunately, Bert had been sadly diagnosed with dementia a few months before that. Uh, and we contacted Robert to say, are you sure with us doing this? And he said, oh, of course, they were right behind the play. And uh, one of the ideas is uh, I was going to ask Bertie to make a short video basically having a go at Des McLean for having the cheek <laughs> to impersonate him. Because I managed to get Harold Bratt back, bizarrely, to do something similar. And Harold was just fantastic sport. And anyone who's seen Bratback at the SEC was uh, one of the characters in the play has a go at Bratback all the time. I said, what I'd like to do, Harold, is 20-second video. I'll send you the script. You have a go at that character. And after that, they still have his famous number 15 top. He scored that the Yes, I Do, Jim. And it's a brilliant sport. It makes a 20-second video. So anyone's seen Bratback would have seen this thing. So that was my idea. Could Bertie do this? But he was diagnosed with dementia. So I said to Robert, I said, look, totally understandable if he can't do this, but if he could do it, it would be, it'd be great. And I could send him a week in a script and bloody, bloody, blah. So two hours later, I texted him for Robert with a video attached to it. So Bertie doesn't need a script. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, he was, and he was brilliant. And he was like a stand-up comic. You know, the wee introduction where he, he laughs along as if he's been laughing to something. And it's brilliant. I watched it 20, 30 times. I showed it to my wife, 20, 30, just thinking, look at this, this is Bertie Old. Just, this is Bertie. And I've got it on my phone, it's Bertie Old. But because it's only six seconds long, as Tony will tell you, when you stick it up, everyone just starts cheering. So nobody can actually hear what he says, and it's dead funny. So, so we did green up last. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet. Not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Saturday is a one-off thing. And I thought we were going to do it. I thought, oh, I'll put subtitles on it so that people can actually hear what <laughs> Bertie's saying. Uh, unfortunately, Bertie couldn't make Saturday, which which which, uh, which, which he knew. But his son Robert came uh, with a few of his family, uh, which was astonishing to come, you know, all the way from Straven to... To Greenock, and I met Robert when he when he came in, and he said, uh, "My dad's not well, really badly, not well, and I need to keep my phone on because I might get a call." So you thought at that point, and then at the interval, the theatre manager came across to me and said, "I've got a message for Robert." Oh, he said, "Unfortunately, he's had a call and he's had to had to get back." So, so I kind of knew when you heard that that you know maybe something might happen in the next few days, and. Uh, as I've said before, the Ben Alberti is not a Bertie old story, but the first scene we do a homage to Bertie with Des McLean as Bertie tells his famous story, including the two tunnel stories. And it's then followed by a kind of 30 second video, young Bertie, through to old Bertie type of thing, accompanied by a song called I'll Never Find Another You. So that's the video I tweeted after I'd heard it because Bertie, you know, you'll never find another. Another Bertie Old, and uh, I know this is dead long, but people say you should never meet your heroes. Uh, I don't think anyone would actually say that about Bertie Old. I think uh, he was such a force of nature, so positive, and I think the whole Celtic family were devastated with the news this week, and uh, 
yeah, thoughts and prayers with Robert and the rest of his family. So it's a bit long, but uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a sad week. It has been a sad week, but that was an, another fantastic story, another tribute to Bertie, and another sort of obvious, uh, you know, representation of the type of man he was. I just want to read out a couple of things here that have come through from everybody commenting, a couple of commenters on YouTube. Pinball uh, on YouTube says, Jim is a saint. Uh, Patrick Dolan on YouTube says, great work, Jim. James Wilson says, unbelievable work. That's obviously in relation to your football memories work, which I have to say the first time I heard you talk about that, it was it was unbelievable work that I didn't know was getting done. So hopefully, you know, in the years to come, when, when COVID calms down and we can actually get back into care homes and things on a regular basis, these things can bring... I think, I think also, also on that point, anyone tuning in, go and mm. do it. Just go and do it because... <laughs> The, why you're tuning in today is because you like football and you like Celtic and you like to talk about it. Whether you agree with people's opinions or not, it doesn't really matter. But if you're talking to elderly, and it tends to be men and, and care homes who've got nothing to do, you know, nothing to do all day, you go in there and talk about Celtic, you know, just, you know, and it makes such a difference and it is really good to say. And in fact, the 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 head of football memory Scotland was it was was the second night we did it there and he's a he's a he's a he's a Hamilton Aki's fan and he said it was brilliant from the point of view of like trying to uh, show more about football memories so I'm going to I'm going to rewrite the play a wee bit and have after what's happened I'll have more of Bertie in it basically but also more of a focus on on football memories as well but so uh, if I can contribute anything to this podcast if even one person thinks you know what I'll go along and do that because that's what happened to me. I, I heard somebody talking about it and I thought, you know what? I could do that because uh, it's only a couple of hours a week once we get back from COVID. And like a lot of things that anyone does when they volunteer for something, usually you end up getting more out of it. Mm. You end up getting more out of it. And tell you a funny story. Uh, I don't think I told before. I can't, can't remember. One of the gentlemen that we had once was, was a new guy. He wouldn't talk. Uh, complete silence. And you get the cards out, and I'm showing the cards, and it's a Celtic player. And he says, is that Bobby Murdoch? And he says, no, it's dead close. It's dead close. Who is it? And I said, it's John Hughes. Remember John Hughes? And he says, aye, Big Yogi. Aye. And I said, remember the song you used to sing at Big Yogi? He says, oh, aye, aye, feed, feed the bear. And the care assistant seen this guy's never talk, spoken before. Let's get the camera video. He's like, let's, let's get in there. So he starts singing, feed the bear. I say, he's here. He's there. He's every." Expletive, where? <laughs> and they went, hold on. <laughs> cut, cut, cut. So I said to them, Joe, I said, Joe, can we do that again? But see when you get to the expletive bit, you say bloody. Aye, all right. And then he sang it again and he got it in video and he showed it to his, his family that he hadn't spoke for like, goodness knows how long, but he remembered feed the expletive mm. bear. You know, so today's message is out there, get involved, aye, get involved. No, definitely do get involved, and in, and in, and Tony will get you back involved in a second. But I think that was, uh, I think that was absolutely unreal. That 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 those stories from Jim, and I think they're a, a great testament. Just from my own point of view, um, obviously I was too young to to see the Lisbon Lions play to to really understand the impact that they had any more than any other Celtic fan uh, understands that. But I have to say. I'm hit with an incredible sense of sadness because, as I've said on this podcast before, I, I the biggest Celtic fan in my family was was my granddad, who unfortunately didn't have have the chance to meet. Um, his my mum, his his daughter, always talked about how Jinky was his favourite player. How you know he would go on about the Lisbon Lions, he would go on about even further back, Jimmy McGrory, Patsy Gallagher. He saw them all, and. I'm just struck with an utter sadness when things like this happen, that we've lost another connection to that generation. We've lost another connection to um, to what Celtic is and what it has been throughout the ages. Paul talked to her earlier in the week about how um, Bertie Old has a, a connection to the very foundations of the club and, and that's something that we hope remains uh, in some form in years going forward. But um, as, as I said before... <clears throat> With with the old family and with with all his family and fr many many friends at this sad time, but uh, if there's one thing we can say for sure, it's that Bertie Old will not be forgotten. Um, oh, 
bring things up more up to date now, and Tony, I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this. Um, I was looking around as I do before the podcast starts about um, some what are the goings on at Celtic, and one of the things that stuck out to me was um, that Hearts have been allocated around seven hundred away tickets for the the game at Celtic Park uh, on the second of December. Um, it kind of, as somebody who's not regularly at the matches, it kind of sometimes goes by me that that. Away fans still aren't a regular fixture at the games at the moment. This is encouraging news, isn't it? To see people be able to get back to, to watching their team and back to back to seeing football in any guise, whether it's home or away. I'm all for that, Laura. I want to see away fans on every ground. You know, not just Celtic fans, but that's fans in 700 want to come along and watch their team then. Yeah, of course. Uh, listen, it's... Uh, it's what makes football the spectacle it is. Every supporter of every club going to watch their team, it's, it's a ritual, tribalistic thing that we do. And, you know, you, you take great pride in it. Your team's your team. You follow your team, whether that's Celtic, whether it's Hearts, you know, to quote Bill Shankly, whether it's Glenbrook Cherry Pickers, it doesn't matter. That is your team and you have the right to go and see them. And also, uh, I applaud Normality Cup coming back to football because it's the one thing that we've missed as football supporters in the past year or so and to see crowds swelling as they are and people just love football order. they want a day out mm-hmm. you know win, lose or draw as famous song says it's just that actual act of going to a football match you know everything you know, most of my relationships that I've formed in my life is through football either playing it or watching it or writing about it or meeting people through football, you know, so it's just, it's it's important to people's lives and, and and that importance is manifested in the team they support. And you can only support one team, really, if you're a football supporter, well, in my opinion, you can like other teams, you can have an affection for some teams, but you can only support one football team genuinely, you know, and so whether that's Celtic, Hearts, Rangers, Napoli, Melchester Rovers, whoever, it doesn't matter. It's never up for question. And if you are an average football fan and a true supporter, you want to go and watch them. So I applaud the fact that there's 700 fans, uh, Hearts fans, getting in to see the game on the 2nd of December. And the more the merrier for me. It's it's uh, football's unique selling point, isn't it? The fact that the fans in, uh, are, are there. As Tommy Burns said, they're there and they're always there. In the case of Celtic, and as Jock Steen famously said, without it, there's nothing. We came through a year of football without uh, supporters, and it was. It was quite hollow, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was football, Jim, but not as we know it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was saying to somebody the other day, actually, I've been watching more football this season than I have in the past 18 months, and the main reason was I didn't really enjoy watching it uh, with, with no fans in the ground. Um, Jim, it's... It's an interesting thing because it adds so much, I think, to the to the game. Like I think, I think away teams can kind of roll over, roll over sometimes, and and be easily bullied if they've not got their fans back in them. So it is going to change the dynamic um, when teams come to Celtic Park. Um, or do you think we can still sort of cope with that and and manage our way through the games regardless? Okay, the latter, of course. I mean, I think the first point would be it's another step towards normality and that step would be applauded. And also, hearts are going well this season. So, you know, you want to go and see your team when they're, when they're, when they're playing well. Because, you know, I mean, hearts are, hearts are doing the championship as well. And they're the big boys and they're doing really well. So if you're a hearts fan, you want to be there in the same way that it must have been a shame for the St. Johnson fans last season when they have their you know, best ever season and nobody gets to watch it. So, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a one, one more step towards normality. They're going well. There'll be a vociferous support, but you tend not to hear the away fans. You know, a few hundred tend not to make too much noise at Celtic Park, and uh, as long as we play well, I don't think they'll have a chance to cheer. So, uh, no, nah, it's just another step towards normality. And as, and as Tony said, it will it'll help the atmosphere a little bit, but I don't expect to to be hearing them too much after we scored two or three in the first ten minutes. I think <laughs> <laughs> so we'll totally... be back up the road then. So, no, it's great. It's great they're back, yeah. Hopefully we can invite them in just to, to silence them, but that's, ah, that's football, that's isn't it? Plan. But that's a plan. 
Just before we move on to the next thing, uh, Henry Fitzpatrick on YouTube has commented, great tributes to Bertie. Jim brought a few tears. Um, met the man several well, That's times. not my job. That's Tony's job. Sorry. That's Tony's job, but you did do it. But the reason yeah. I wanted to re- read this out is, met this man several times in Bairds and in Vegas with Jinky. What kind of hijinks could you go up to with Bertie Olds in Vegas? I don't know, but... Um, People's person, God bless him, Harry in Canada. Thank you for watching all the way from, from Canada, Harry. Um, Tony, I wanted to ask you as well, um, obviously you'll have been covering it for the Celtic Way, who sponsored the podcast. Um, the fan podcast, or the fan uh, media uh, mm-hmm. conference with, with Ange was, uh, from all intents and purposes and, and from all feedback, a, a roaring success. Magic. Uh, before we go into the specifics on it, what did you make of the overall kind of way in which he interacted, the questions that were asked of him? What did you think of it? Listen, your admiration grows for the manager day by day and the job that he's doing uh, and the way the team's playing. And you can understand why they're uh, responding to him. He's getting to know him a bit better because he's opening up more. And he completely and utterly opened up to the fan media conference, and he started talking about his philosophy in life, about winning football matches, but winning with a purpose in, in sport and in life. You know, all stuff that he put in his book, if you'd read his book, you know, but he expanded upon that. And, you know, and that, that's a wonderful insight into what makes the man tick. You know, but within five months, he felt comfortable enough to share it. Because not everybody's a reader of books, so a lot of people might not have I saw that or read it. You know, but he, he, he spoke wonderfully the other day. And I made a point of saying that, uh, you know, he, he, he makes you kind of proud. You sort of went, that's our manager. You know, and within five months, uh, I mean, he's at the AGM and he gets the loudest cheer there. There's guys that have been at, the, at this club for years and years and a man who's been there five months completely blew them away off the stage in terms of his popularity. And what he's brought to the to the club. I use a phrase a lot about somebody getting it. This guy's got it. You know, he's brought a pride back in your football club. He he he's got you off your seat with the style of play. You know, he's emotionally invested in it. He, he he talks about kind of being there for the long haul and building this beautiful house that he he's talking about. That kind of stuff. You know, and and everything he does, you're kind of like. Okay, he's spelling it out that it's methodical and it's with a purpose and it has a, you know, a long-term benefit for us. So, yeah, I mean, I thought the other day he was, he was on a roll with the fan media the other day. He really was, and it was it was a very very enjoyable listen. And you came from that thinking, yeah, that's your manager. I like him. Is it possible to like him anymore? You know, and of course we're in the the business where we. We have to give our honest opinion and we do it, especially on the pod, and we do it on a game-by-game basis. And criticism is part of that. Jim said at one point, you know, you can start to judge them. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, so you're starting to judge him now, but I don't think there's a city supporter out there who isn't liking what they're seeing and hearing when Ange speaks, because he deals with it really, really well. This is this is the job he's coveted <clears throat> all his career, yeah, and he's putting his heart and soul into it, and he wants to be not just a success, he wants to win trophies, but he wants to make you proud of your club. I think he gets what it means <clears throat> to be uh, a Celtic manager on and off the field. You know, nobody's had to educate him about Celtic. It's a world, world-renowned club, you know, and he knew all about that, but he's grasped it so quickly. 
You know, he really has. And, uh, and you know, and just different things. He's turned Anthony Ralston into a Scotland player. You know? Mm-hmm. And if four words can say anything about the criticism that Anthony Ralston's got, it's Anthony Ralston, Scotland player. That's down to the manager. Down to, down to Ralston as well. It's down to the faith that the manager placed in that footballer. And he's mm. performed the Jedi mind trick on many footballers mm. so far. And uh, whatever it is he's doing, I want him to keep doing it. And I, and obviously tomorrow's a big step. You know, it's a, a critical game at a critical juncture of the season. But I think the one thing that the Celtic fans are going in with is confidence and faith and belief in what the manager and the players are doing. And that's a good thing. Really, it's a good thing, um, Jim. I don't know how much you managed to to see of the of the the fan press conference, but a couple of things that really surprised about me was um, the detail he gave in the answers, mm. the amount of time he gave to each person who answered the question, and also surprisingly enough, um, for people on a podcast who don't really know the inner workings of the club and are doing our best to discuss them as we understand them. Some of the stuff he was bringing up was pretty bang on to things that we had been talking about. Um, one interest and one being his desire to um, look at the scouting network, look at the look at some of the like infrastructure of the club that he thinks could be brought up to scratch. Um, what do you think of the way he speaks? Is are you kind of impressed with? As time's going on, getting more impressed with him, or do you think that there's um, he's got to? I don't know, justify some of the things that he's saying still? I'm going to go with the former of those two questions. Uh, I say, I think he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's such a genuine guy. Number one, he's such a genuine guy. You know, there's no kind of ears and graces to the guy. He kind of says how he thinks it is. Uh, he's very respectful. <clears throat> when I saw him with, with Don McKay, uh, and the first time we saw him, I said, I like to cut this guy's jib. But that was the first thing he said. So, uh, he was he was he was talking the talk. Could he could he walk the walk? And I think off the field, you could say that he hasn't put a foot or a word wrong. Everything he says, as, as Tony said there, is just better. The, the more you hear the guy, the more you like the guy. You know, genuinely honest guy. On the field, what I said I think the last time I was on. Now he's got options. I think you can question things. And if something doesn't happen, you think mm, I don't understand that. I don't think that's been negative. Because after the last time I was on, people saying this guy's dead negative, this old guy's dead negative. They're just questioning things. You just, well, you know, we didn't win that game. What maybe could have been better? Uh, but I've got loads of respect for him. Uh, another wee quick story was I was at the Tommy Burns story and uh, ended up I was in the third front row at the aisle, in two seats in front of me. On the aisle was Ange, two in front of me, and then at half time or the interval, I went outside because it was boiling to get some fresh air. And I come back you know, ten minutes later, and the queue. To get a photograph with Ange is like like stretching for the whole hall, basically. And I'm sitting two behind him. So I had to try and manoeuvre my way to get to my seat. And just as I'm about to sit down, this woman says, can I take a picture of her and her husband with Ange? So I need to take a picture of her husband with Ange. And I put the camera down and Ange is right there. So he's right there. So I need to say, good luck, Ange. And he says, thanks, mate. And we did a fist pump. So, hey, you know, so, so I'm kind of, I'm even more impressed because he said, thanks, mate. So... You know, you're uh, tight them now, Jim. You're tight. Me and Ange, like that. Basically, like besties. That, besties right. forever, basically. Right. And uh, But no, everything he says, genuine. I saw that uh, interview the other day. Great detail we went into. Never get flustered. Answered all the questions direct. Didn't do mm, eh, maybe. Just, just, just answered all the questions. Dead confident. Knows what he has to do. I think he's quite, quite bemused at times in this country of the level of scrutiny he gets some of the bizarre questions that he gets. And he's dealing with it really well. And I find it dead interesting. Because if you are, I mean, if, if, if we were you know, interviewing a Craig Levine or a Derek McInnes or these kind of guys, there's, there's kind of stock answers because obviously they're, they're used to hearing that. And that's no disrespect to the journalistic world. And I'm sure they're you know, trying to ask different questions all the time. But Angie's take on it, a lot of the questions is dead interesting. You know, he'll dismiss things straight away. He's like, why are you asking me that? That's just bonkers, you know? So I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, as Tony said, I'm happy that he's our manager. Um, I think he re- represents the club extremely, extremely well. One of, one, of, one of the best ever, I think. But the proof of the pudding will be where are we at the end of the season in terms of trophies. And, you know, and If he keeps winning, everyone will love him. 
But if he starts dropping points, you know, maybe that love might to that maybe go down a little bit. But I think he's been exceptional, and he's doing it all on his own. That's the other thing that yeah. you think he's doing everything on his own. And then reading some of the stuff in the press about the other side, the city's new manager, he's bringing in this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. I mean, I just, I just walk through the door, <laughs> you know. Hello, you're armed. Hey, what are we going to do now? Nineteen-year-old yeah. centre half never played. You're in the team, son. Da 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 da. And then we get to the point now, you just said, you know, believe in what I'm doing. And if he gets the results, and certainly some of the performances have been out of this world, but if he keeps the results going, uh, he's done a marvellous job. And as I've heard, he, he certainly uh, he comes across fantastically well. Yeah, I was laughing because he had to rein himself in when he was talking about players from other continents, wasn't he? And then he, he mentioned Iran. It's a secret, I'm telling you. I didn't say that. If we could have taken a, a word back, he would have I, taken that back. You know what I mean? So I was telling myself laughing at that because he, he I could, I could see him coming back and saying, I didn't say, I meant Iraq. Iraq's the place. Go to Iraq. There's hunters out there. Go and get them. Because he said at one point, I don't want to say too much because I want to keep all to myself. No, Something no, like that, no. which, which I thought was quite funny, you know. So yeah. he, he has that as well. And, you know, in the Aussie, and I mean, just, you know, people are bowling Aye. questions at him and he just yeah. smashed them out of the park. You know, Aye, brilliant. He's, he's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, you know, and brilliant. a very good orator. Just a statesman <laughs> that you want. He is, yeah. You know, speaking for your club, I personally think, you know, and I've been particularly impressed with that as well, the way he's, the way he's handled it. Because he, he did a, an, a, an interview with an Australian journalist as well in a radio programme, and the guy mm-hmm. asked him about the scrutiny that Jim was talking about, and he says, mate, he says, you've not, you've not seen anything like this. He says, there is mm-hmm. nothing happening. He says, at our club on a daily basis, but something's happening. He says, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at it, thinking, where did they get this? Where's this coming from? You know, mm-hmm. he says, scrutiny's intense, but I mean, you wouldn't, he, don't, he doesn't look like a man under pressure in anything that he does. I think also, Tony, obviously that's your game. Yeah. Interviewing people. So you I, must see that well, more, than, more, than, more than we would see it as like a layman yeah. looking at him top. You yeah. must see that. And that's what I mean. Far more, yeah. An impressive, impressive guy in terms of yeah. the way he's handled it all. And, you know, and he, and he, he's a straight shooter, as you say. He's just genuine and he, he gives an honest answer to every person. And if he thinks it's nonsense, he'll... You know, as you say, when he starts calling you mate, you've got a problem. Mm. You know, that, that, that's akin to the Walter Stair, you know, that kind of Walter mm. Stair, that kind of thing. So when you get the mate treatment, you're thinking, okay, mm. or, uh, or, or the, or the Martin O'Neill pe- mm. peering down the <laughs> treatment, right? That was Martin O'Neill's mm. you know? So. It was funny as well, he said it. It kind of opened a window to his attitude towards the whole culture and how much we kind of see things happening when they're not happening. He talked about the the massive number of reporters in Scotland compared to in Japan, even though Japan's got a much bigger league and mm-hmm. you know obviously a much bigger population and stuff like that. So it was all a fascinating insight, and I'd be really interested to see what comes of the stuff that he said. Um, one of the things that he said. Um, and Tony, I'll get your thoughts on this first. I was quite interested because uh, he was asked about the new players that had come in and the ones particularly who hadn't settled. I can't remember, forgive me, but I can't remember which contributor asked the question. Um, and he spoke really well about Liam Shaw and Asazio Rigidi. He said that, you know, they're young guys, there's a lot expected of them. We might look for loan moves for them in January, fair enough. He then went on to James McCarthy and without saying specifically uh, mentioned about the intensity of the training sessions and how it will take lots of players time to get up to speed with that. Um, Do you see James McCarthy getting an opportunity in the next few weeks based on what he said there or do you think it's something that's going to take a while for him to get up to speed with? I think Yakimakis was another one that he said the similar thing about. I think the manager's quite willing to persevere with the two of them because he, mm. knows, he knows they're very good footballers. And that's what I mean. He, he's, he's not thrown them under the bus, has he? No. He's given them a perfect out by saying, look, my training sessions are intense. These guys have came to the club and they've not been 100%. So I can't expect them to be 100%. And these training sessions are, you know, high-octane affairs. It might take them a while. So he's basically saying to these guys, look, it might take a while to get up to speed. But once you get up to speed, I'm going to expect you to perform. 
you know. So that that's obviously the the parameters and the barriers he set. As for Sean Uragidi, uh, I mean, he's been very kind to them as well. They've not played football at all, but he's saying them look might might look at sending them out on loan to get them to play, to to play competitive football so that they can come back and maybe offer me something. You know, as I see you, you look at what he's did with several players there. When he talks, you listen. Because he kind of knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? Or he seems to know what he's talking about. So I, I'm listening now to all the subtle nuances and what he's saying and, you know, maybe what's not said, you know, because uh, that's what, our game, partly our game. But I uh, I was interested in that because a lot of people have been very critical of McCarthy. So he nipped that in the bud right away, didn't he? Critical of Jack mm. and Max for not being fit. So that was him saying, look, these guys have come in and they weren't up to speed. There's no chance of getting up to speed with these guys because they've they've raced out the starting blocks. So they're yeah. now playing catch up. But once they play catch up and they get to where I want them to be, then <clears> he's <throat> going to put his faith in them the same as he did with Ralph, and he will play them. You know, so but again other sense supporters wonder about why why are they picking up niggling injuries? But see when you're not hundred percent fit, that'll that'll happen all the time. You know, so and uh and I guess and he's no daft, he'll have them on programmes designed specifically to get them up to speed as quick as they can. And in answer to your question, I do think they'll feature at some point because we will need them to feature during the season. It's a long campaign. We need all our squad. We need our players. But he's also got his eyes on maybe people from Iran, Japan or South Korea, (laughs) to... uh, did I say Iran? Congo. You meant Congo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So he's he said it himself, he's a methodical planner. So everything's done with a reason, with an end game. You know? So uh, you know, I I know it's the, the Celtic supporters mantra, but it's I'm I'm beginning to understand it more and more now in Ange we trust. You're mm-hmm. trusting them more and more now. You you are trusting the process because as Jim said a while ago, in the spirit of Glasnost and openness, he's telling us about that process. He's roadmapping it for us. You know, he's been open with us and telling us what he is he's up to. I'm methodical. I do everything with a plan. You know, I've got an end game here. This is what I'm all about. So I'm enjoying that factor about him as well. Yeah. Um, Jim, I'm going to ask you before I ask you a proper question. Any idea what Glasnost is? I don't know that word. Tony Hag's expression. I think I've said it in when he's restructuring Russia. Good pals. Glasnost is a a Russian term for openness. Sorry. Good pals. What I was going to say was... uh, Studies essay, 15 marks. (laughs) Field must must do better. Uh, I think uh, what I was going to say was... Football fans see things usually in black and white. And usually, I mean, us football fans, include me in this, are usually quite simple looking at things. And I've seen comments in the past on the podcast, who are these guys? I think they can do Ange Postacoglu's job, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you take the combined football wisdom of every single actual contributor, multiply it by a big number, and just forgotten more than that. You know, so we're not saying what the big chap should or shouldn't do. At the end of the day, and uh, when he does start to talk about these things like bringing players up to speed, there are so many layers to this that we have got no idea about. We'll just say, get James Forrest back, you know, because that's what wants to happen. But, you know, there are, there are layers to that. And then, as you said, Tony, Angela, plan for all this kind of stuff. So you can't just bring someone back in and try to buy a new player. That's quite complex. So there's all these things that we've got no idea about so I mean we still talk about it as if we know what we're talking about. But we don't and we put our hands up to say that we don't and all we're doing is just observing from a distance as we do sit in a pub talking about this stuff and why doesn't he do this and why doesn't he do that. But uh, I found it like Tony dead interesting when he starts to talk about other players who are not featuring and then telling you basically why they're not featuring. And they're all valid reasons, you know, because managing a football club where you've got you know, maybe about 30 first-team players, different nationalities, different personalities, different this, that and the other. It's a difficult thing to manage. And it was quite encouraging when Callum McGregor said the other day that Andrews brought us all together. Mm. You know, and if he's done that, that's astonishing, given <laughs> given what he inherited, given the shambles of last year with everything was disjointed. You know, 
And if you're a football player, I'll always say this, you're looking after number one. You're looking for your next big move. Basically, that, that's your main focus. It's, you know, it's not really about the team. And that's the manager's challenge to try and get everyone signing off the same hymn sheet, as they would say. And Ange seems to have done that. And it helps if you're winning. You know, if you're having a winning run, then that, that makes it easier. But, you know, hopefully we won't go in and kind of lose and run and you'll have to try and pick people up. But I found that encouraging because, he, as Tony said, he was explaining things, you know, because you're a fan uh, and you saw some of these guys at the start of the season. I don't want to go back to somebody like uh, Luke Econo or somebody like that. Why is he not playing? All of a sudden he's out at Queen's Park. There must be a reason for oh, that. We've got no idea. Have, uh, did we have Colin Watt on the show today? Is that who I just heard there? Colin's in the corner here, feeding me lines. Me and Luke Econo. All right, right, I've done it, right. Uh, so, the, so when, when Luke Econo had that cameo at the start of last season, you thought, he's, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a good player. He should be good. But yet, he's away playing for Queen's Park. So, as, as, as Tony said, trust Ange. You know, he must know why these things. And we can bump our gums as much as we want. You know, I think, and, and a lot of times we're kind of, we kind of make our mind up about players and that's it. A Yeti, nah, nah, he's never going to make it. But a Yeti's getting paid a lot of money to be there. He has to contribute. And it's Ange's job to get every single player to contribute to the cause. And once they're on the park, then they have to be putting in that 7 out of 10 performance or else they're out of the team. And now he does have options. And that's and that's what gives us, you know, who like to throw a top of our thing a chance to say, well, why didn't you play him? Or why didn't you make that substitution? Whereas at the start of the season, you're thinking, you're doing the best you can, big man, with what you've got available. And the more options he has, I think the more people will start asking questions. If we don't win games, if we win games, everything's brilliant. And I was kind of, you know, Last time I was on, people were saying, this guy's dead negative again, blah, 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 blah. And to spend 30 seconds on this, what we're saying was that Ross, Ross County, St. Johnson, Livingston, carbon copy games, carbon copy games, we played the same way and it caught with us and we dropped points. And all I was saying was, there's areas I thought we had to be better in. What were they? We had to get the ball into the box better, better delivery. We got with Dean, Anthony Rolson, bang, bang, two brilliant crosses, two goals. We have to shots from outside the box. Anthony Rolson, bang, hits the post, Yota, goal. We have to get to the byline more, cut the ball back, Yota, byline back, Kyoto, goal, right. So Andy was always listening <laughs> to that podcast. Basically, you were saying, it is difficult to try and break down banks of five if you play the way we played. But if you do things differently, then things could be better. So it's an observation. Yeah. It's not been negative. It's saying, well, why don't we try this? But Dundee. We did all that stuff. And the football was like scintillating at Dundee. Bit sloppy losing the goals. 4-1 up with half an hour to go. Should have scored a lot more goals. But hey-ho, three points in the bag and a good performance. Great, because we did put the ball in the box better. We did take shots. We did get to the byline. And we do that tomorrow. We'll win the game, no bother. Yeah. I also like the way, Laura, that it wasn't just the team that said he's had a galvanising and they brought together. Because he's... You know, and I mentioned it when he won the Manager of the Month award that he got the picture taken with the background team. But yeah. he also said, he made a point of saying, during that month of October, I challenged the players, I challenged the background staff, and I challenged the medical team to have a perfect month. He mentioned everybody. So they're all yeah. like that, you know. Cause he, and he, I think he also said, it wasn't because of something magical that I did. Yeah. He was letting everybody know, we're all together here. This is not just down to me. You know, the, the, the yeah. players are responding to me, but this is a whole collective and a whole unit. And, and I like that because he didn't miss them and he, he he made sure, he made a point of mentioning them all. And then, you know, he was talking about that, you know, he is over here on his own, but he's never once jumped up and down and said, I want my own men in, you know, because he has a working relationship. And I think Jim mentioned it, he just go, we, we genuinely don't know what John Kennedy and Kevin Strachan do. You know, but whatever they do is okay for Ange. It seems to work. Well, well, I tell you, well, I tell you something that that I have perhaps learned about Gavin Strachan and John Kennedy uh, from this season is if they have the right leader in place, they will follow his instructions to the letter. Yeah, you know. So, and at this moment in yeah. time, we seem to have the right leader because he's getting results and we're playing some scintillating football in, in patches. So, yeah. And long make but the, you can't underemphasize the enormity of tomorrow. It's going out there, and a lot of these players won't have uh, experienced Hamden, 
Ange hasn't experienced Hamden, you know, and you 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 feel confident that the team can go and get a result. But the old thing is Jim saying walk the walk and talk and talk. It's not saying it, it's doing it tomorrow. That's the I think thing. also sorry about in. Um, I think also just before you said leader, I was about to say all the things that Tony just said there is a sign of a great leader. Those are all the qualities and the attributes of a great leader. They don't take the praise, they share it out, they pull people yeah. together, you know, and it's not about them. It's about the collective, and that's the sign of a good leader. And, and the Ange certainly is a very good leader. Yeah, yeah. he's shaping up to be, certainly. Yes, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of which, as our strap line says, and as Tony just alluded to there, Jim, um, can Ange Postacoglu lead us into our first uh, Scot- uh, final in Scottish football? We've got um, St Johnston coming up, as we'll be doing the match coverage tomorrow at the semi-final of the League Cup in Hamden. Kick-off, I think, is quarter past five tomorrow night. A bit of a strange yeah. one, but it is. Um, and uh, it's, it is a big game, as all games are. Jim, how do you see us going with that? Um, it's going to probably be the highest pressure game that the, the players have faced in a while. Can they cope with that, do you think? Short answer, yes. Yeah. See you next week. Bye. Uh, <laughs> Longer answer would be uh, St. Johnson did well last season playing at Hamden. Uh, they'll have more players that have played at Hamden than we have. I was trying to think of that just when you were talking there about I was trying to think who'd maybe have played at Hamden for Celtic McGregor, obviously. Forrest, Beaton, if Forrest, if he plays Beaton. So they have more experience playing at Hamden. That's a big football pitch. Football pitch to football pitch. A good big surface. Uh, There'll be some nerves because it's a, it's a it's a it's a semi-final. You'd expect that, but individually, collectively, Celtic are a better team. And uh, and if Celtic play the way that Celtic can play, then I think it'll be quite a convincing victory tomorrow. Uh, something like three nothing. Uh, because I think you know, if we play the way we can, if we, if we play the way we play against Dundee, yeah, we'll win no bother. But maybe maybe the nerves thing, maybe that might come into it, given it's a semi-final. Uh, I'm assuming the pitch will be in decent nick. It's good that we're playing first. Uh, because you know, there's been a number of semi-finals during the year we play second, and the parts a bit, you know, not that clever for for our passing game. But I think certainly the big wide open spaces will, will suit our football. And uh, and if if we turn up, we win the game. But it's a cup tie, and you know, we know if you look down the years, there's been cup ties we haven't turned up, or maybe a bad refereeing decision, or a break of the ball, or, or whatever. But say, uh, nah, you. Really, really confident into tomorrow, yeah. Tony, how how much do you think um, there seem to be teams in football who just love a cup tie, who love a cup run? Um, some of the ones in the 90s, I remember watching English football, even, you know, like Middlesbrough getting to an FA Cup final, even though they get relegated. Chelsea winning a couple of domestic trophies as well. Um, and Hearts, even in the early 2000s, you know, seemed to love a run in the Scottish Cup. Are St Johnston one of the teams? Do, do we have to fear them because of that? Or do you think that, you know, we we play it like we play any other game? You never take your eye off your opponent. An opponent who's won two trophies, two more trophies than we won last season. So, you know, they have to be respected. They like that. They like a day out at Hamden. This is going to be a different day out at Hamden. They won with, uh, you know, no fans in and stuff like that, you know. So, then the majority of the Celtics supporters are going to be at Hamden tomorrow and different intensity for them, different levels. I, I think I think Hamden always suits Celtic and Rangers when they play, just the style of football that they play. You have to go some to beat Celtic and Rangers in a semi-final at Hamden, but as Jim said, bounce of a ball, a refereeing decision, things can go against you. The, the, you know, the perceived wisdom is that if Celtic turn up and they play, they win, but they've got to turn up and play. You know, and you wrap around the Bertie Old emotion and poignancy of the occasion as well. You know, there will be nerves there and there'll be, you know, there's emotion there. First and foremost, you have to play the football match, right? You play the opponents out in front of you. You you have to block out the fact that it's the same effect. You have to just play the game, win the game and worry about, you know, anything else later. But if Celtic turn up and play, they win. Is they are a better team, but you know St Johnson will be a, a dangerous opponent. You know they have been through the course uh, twice last season, so they know what it takes to win. So uh, it's uh, you know, but you just feel that the way Celtic are playing, you, you trust them. You trust the manager to send them out there, and you trust them to deliver on his word and to 
put themselves into that first final. Uh, but uh, they'll not rest at that. They'll not just want that. They'll want to then go and complete the job and win it and get, you know, new regime, same old Celtic, back to cup winning ways. So, you know, the, this is the biggest game of the season so far, but it's not going to be the biggest game of the season, if you get what I mean. So mm. they want to put themselves into a position to play the next biggest game of the season. So, you know, just, just win the game. But you, you look around and you think, yeah, Celtic are, you know, they're getting in with an air of confidence, and quite rightly so. I think the fans are feeling confident too. Again, trusting the manager, trusting the players, and they're trusting the process. So, yeah, I, 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 it all points to a Celtic victory, but you cannot and should not underestimate St Johnston at all. Just before we round things out, Jim, um, for the day, I, I was interested to hear um, Angie's comments during the week about James Forrest being as fit as he's seen him, uh, in good condition. Um, given your previously aired thoughts on Leo Labada and the fact that he's been on international duty this week, do you think this is an opportunity for, for James Forrest to, to come into the team and be the big, well, we already know Tony's thoughts on it, but be the big force going forward for us? I think if Ange thinks he's fit, then he should, he should certainly start. Yeah, it's another person who knows Hamden inside out. Uh, he's a big occasion player. He's scored goals in, in, in cup finals. Uh, he knows what it's about. And I think one of the things we alluded to about some of the players leaving last season is we're losing experience. So I think in games like this, most definitely. I mean, not having a go at Abada. If Abada's putting out his skin, then Forrest isn't in the team. But, you know, I think uh, over the last few performances, James Forrest is, is, is worth, a, worth a shot in the team. And particularly this game, being at Hamden and he'll know what's at stake. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's uh, pretty certain. Whatever happens... Sorry, Tony, on you go. What Jim said, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Always worth mentioning. Always worth mentioning. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching today. It's been a really good show. For me, it's absolutely flown in. It's been fascinating. The, the memories of Bertie are, were, were something to, to behold. And obviously, we'll be back tomorrow for the match coverage, as usual, for St. Johnston. Um, before we go, um, I just wanted to mention that Ange talked about during the week about being uh, as good a human being as possible outside of football. Your football achievements pale in comparison to um, your achievements as a person. He was, of course, talking about Bertie Old and the man that he'll be remembered as. But taking on board that sentiment, I just wanted to pass on the thoughts of everybody at Axom um, to ex-Rangers player Gary Stevens, who unfortunately lost his four-year-old son to leukaemia uh, earlier this week. News like that just makes you realise that football rivalries are just that. They are rivalries and nothing more. And um, news like that just puts absolutely everything to, into perspective. So I don't know if anybody from the Stevens family would obviously be watching this, but just wanted to pass on our thoughts at what is an unimaginable time. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching today. Um, we'll see you again at the weekend, as usual. Come on the hoops, let's get ourselves into a final. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Jim. And we will see you tomorrow. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203.
Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.